Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to talk about uh, Creator Explains the Unexpected Causes and Solutions for Homelessness. Homelessness is clearly a huge problem, seems to be getting bigger, and pretty much everybody's been touched by it more than likely at one time or another, if you've ever had to run a gauntlet of panhandlers or had your window squeegeed even. Well, this is uh, becoming more a sore point and a fear for many people also. And the reason we talk about troubling subjects is that as a channeler who can talk to the Almighty and get information directly, there is a need to prioritize in what one uses this precious resource to do. And it's typically the problems of the world, the things that are the tough nuts to crack, the real challenges for humanity that are controversial often, and that's why perhaps they continue to remain as a challenge. And of course, there are some things we still haven't figured out, and we don't have a solution that's been devised for. And so poverty has been a feature all through human history, and the problems people run into when they're right on that edge and then there's a downturn economically or something else happens and and now they're really in trouble and underwater and it, it's it's a tragic thing but there's other dimensions to it and there's important things to understand about this and so that's the spirit of this discussion we want to learn what we can about this phenomenon and some of the ins and outs in dealing with homeless people as well as the answer for homelessness. Yes, there's a lot to get into, so we'll get right into it. You asked, Creator, we know that in a world without the interlopers, there would either be no homelessness or it would be drastic, It would be a drastically reduced problem in severity. Of those who find themselves homeless, how many are experiencing a rebalancing for causing homelessness in past lives versus simply being caught up in a wide-scale interloper agenda while otherwise being karmically innocent? All right, and this is what Creator told us. We can tell you the vast majority of homeless are experiencing the dilemma because of karmic influences largely from prior lifetimes. Those parallel lives ongoing in other timelines that are influencing the person as they experience their current life. These other events are concurrent And that is what gives them such power as time loops backwards and forwards, sharing information about what has been going on. Anything affecting the person anywhere in time can be an influence in the present moment as experienced by an incarnated human. Those things of a significant nature, like being poverty-stricken, being homeless and vulnerable, have a huge emotional and practical impact on longevity, health, and well-being. To go through all of the stress of homelessness leaves a large-sized wound, and it will likely bubble up and need to be reckoned with, often at the outset in subsequent lives, 
because of its very serious nature. So this is well over 80% of such situations. To be sure, there are many circumstances that are unexpected in life coming from the interlopers and all they do to create havoc and many hazards, including the natural disasters, as well as perturbations of the economy that cause fortunes to be lost quite quickly. So those do add significantly to the total and increasingly so with the increased pressure on humanity by the interlopers. You know, I... I wanted to kind of point out one thing Creator says here. He talks, Creator talks about karmic influences and doesn't use the word punishment. I thought that was interesting. Well, this isn't about punishment. It is about rebalancing. And if there's any punishment, it's something we inflict on ourselves when we make a decision to get off track and do some kind of wrongful act either to punish ourselves or hurt ourselves or to harm someone else, maybe to gain some advantage. Those things come back around to us through the law of karma. And we've, we've talked a fair bit about that because it's a major influence on everything that happens. So it's no surprise to me that homelessness is another end product of karma 80% of the time. Yeah. So that that's kind of determining who is right on that razor edge. And then when there is a, a natural disaster or something comes along and then upsets the apple cart for a time, they're the first ones to feel it because they're vulnerable. And yes. their karma, their own karma has made them so. So this isn't about blame. This is about understanding because yes. you can fight back. You can work to overcome those karmic influences. And that's what healing's for. So we'll be talking about that today. Indeed. You asked Creator, we know a lot of homeless are emotionally and mentally challenged to the point of not being able to hold down a job and make ends meet. Many of these have or would have been institutionalized in years past against their will. And many such institutions were unpleasant and ill-equipped to provide true help. What is the divine perspective on allowing or forcing the mentally incapacitated to live on the street versus providing for them an institution that can truly help, but is likely costly. All right, and this is what I channeled from Creator. We do not see this as an either-or proposition. Allowing people to have freedom, even when they use it in a less-than-efficient manner, or even in a self-destructive way, it is really no one else's business to tell them what to do. That is the essence of free will. The divine does not do this, and humans should not do this to one another either. It is all well and good to provide suggestions, to bring attention to public programs and services available to the needy, and attempt to entice them to take advantage of what can be a blessing, to have access to shelter and good nutrition, for example, particularly in family situations where children are involved who are quite dependent on the parents for their survival. But to mandate what to many homeless is a kind of incarceration does not serve them. It is an affront to their perception of dignity and the security they feel in being unencumbered and not contained within four walls provided by the state. Many homeless live adequately in developing the skills for survival under difficult and sometimes changing circumstances 
And in a sense, this keeps them productively occupied, caring for themselves in various ways. So their lives constitute a series of adventures, in effect. They might not be the lofty pursuits of the well-to-do, but a homeless person's life might be much more exciting and in its own way more rewarding than someone who is well-off, bored with their own existence, and self-indulgent in ways that stultify and limit growth. So what we are pointing out is there are many measures that can be applied here as to who gains and who loses in a situation that appears to be a tragic misfortune on its surface, but may have a silver lining. The issue of providing quality care is another matter. This is rarely done well by the government. It is much better in the hands of volunteers of charitable organizations who are spiritually based in particular. What most people need in their lives is love in some form. Acts of loving kindness provided by a shelter and its staff can be a godsend for many if there is a sincere sharing of heartfelt sympathy and compassion. There still needs to be improvement in the way governments manage the destitute who require supervision and assistance, particularly because of mental or physical health impairment. Things are not as bad as prior era neglect and inadequacy, but are still not ideal. Part of the problem is that the mainstream as a whole does not truly understand the homeless, and in particular those with mental illness. There needs to be further progress to widen perspectives to see these people need a wide array of spiritual services in addition to seeing to their creature comforts. This is almost anathema to governments charged with helping the needy and is most unfortunate and will automatically limit their effectiveness as caregivers. Yeah, this is definitely a complex topic with a, a lot of concerns. You know, I, I you know, we we're in, in Chicago area and uh, you know, during the last, I don't know if it was the last winter or the winter before, but, you know, the, the temperature got down to like 20 below zero or something. And normally when that's the case, a lot of, you know, volunteers, even police will go around and try to talk the homeless into to seeking out a shelter. And inevitably, some refuse and uh, some are found frozen to death the next morning, you know. Um, and there's a societal cost to that. There's a lot of people that look in on that and say, that's not right, you know. But here we hear creators saying, that's their freedom, you know. Um, they should be they should be given a choice like everybody else, as long as they're not hurting somebody else. Well, and uh, of course, when the state gets involved, it often is a kind of black and white decision making, and perhaps a heavy hand. Certainly, there is a tendency to have it sort of be impersonal, and workmanlike, and so on. And but the, it, this isn't commodities that's being dealt with here, or uh, maintenance kinds of services. This this is human beings. Yes. yes. And 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 Creator rightly says that this is something that needs some sensitivity in a spiritual perspective, and that's one of the casualties of the secular movement. That when you mandate separation of church and state, you get just that. Yep. yep. You have a godless force that runs things and tells you what to do. And we're going to see more and more, I suspect, 
the downside of that. We're seeing it big time with this epidemic going right. on. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, if you know, taking creator's words, if the, if the help that was available to people was more spiritual, was more accommodating, there'd be less people found frozen the next morning, I'm sure. <laughs> well, yeah. probably so. I mean, you'll never protect 100% of people no. if they refuse that. They, they'll find a way and they'll escape if you round them up and lock them in someplace. They'll find a way to get out. And, and so these things are not controllable. But that's the point. People have their own say by birthright. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's not for us to judge their lifestyle, but be compassionate. That's the key. And if you're compassionate and make offerings, that's all you can do. But you're fulfilling your karmic obligation when you do that. Indeed. You ask creator, a would-be good Samaritan wants to help the homeless who truly need assistance. He was not, however, interested in providing money for booze and cigarettes. A woman on the street was shrieking, help me, I'm hungry. Our would-be Good Samaritan offered to take her right then and there and buy her a sandwich. She declined and asked for money instead. He said no and repeated his offer. This went back and forth for a couple of rounds, but he stuck to his offer and refused to give her money. Suddenly, she just blew up at him, swearing at him and telling him where to go, in so many words. <laughs> Who was wrong here? Both of them, perhaps? All right, and Creator says the following about this. It is usually an imprecise term to apply to human behavior because that term being in the wrong stems from the judgment of another. We would prefer a term that is more descriptive of the energetic consequences that are automatic from the law of karma reacting to events as they unfold dispassionately, but assigning responsibility as to whether a person's actions are creating something positive or something negative in consequences to themselves or others. In the case of a panhandler, a passerby will never be sure of the motive of the person and what might happen to them with or without that passerby making a gift. People have differing kinds of needs. Someone struggling mightily with an addiction may not have the most attractive need to a potential donor being approached by a panhandler, but keeping them going a little longer might defer a choice to become a criminal through an act of breaking and entering, robbery, or even killing someone to take their money out of desperation so keeping a panhandler going through donations can be preventing a greater evil than perhaps the panhandler falsely representing themselves as hungry when they have other things in mind for donated funds. As you do not truly know the disposition, it is karmically more beneficial to give what you can anyway to the person. In a sense, even if they're keeping their lives on hold and living off the generous public, and some would say gullible, it is still keeping a human being going who is perhaps stuck in a false view of their potential and need for that to play out. It may be only having done it for a good long while that will bring a needed internal questioning and then this leading to a new perspective when they seek something better. All the donated funds along the way have kept them going until they could reach a place of calm and greater security where they could risk taking a chance, as they see it, 
to have greater demands on themselves and risk failure, which might be what they are avoiding all along. A repeat fall from grace, so to speak. Without that stream of income, they might go into a severe downward spiral, ending in suicide or criminal activity that will drag them down severely or a decline in health that closes off a possible better future. So we would say it is better to not act through judgment, but to be generous when one can, because you will much more often be helping than hurting someone or yourself through an act of kindness. You will always get a karmic benefit, even if a person wanting something from you is perpetrating a total scam as they are not truly in need. It is nonetheless a test of your character, and you will either pass or fail by what you do. You know, I have to say that this particular channeling was extremely eye-opening for me personally. I mean, this truly is a perspective that I didn't can't say that I had personally and was uh, a bit of a surprise, but uh, it's it, when you think about it, it makes all the sense in the world. Well, it fits with the divine perspective of live through love. Yes. Do acts of loving kindness wherever and whenever you can, without judgment, without conditions and having a need to benefit in some way personally. The person who gives from the heart freely in choosing that option is lifting themselves up, raising themselves up and becoming more in alignment with the divine. It's that simple. So if you want to be godly, if you want to be on a spiritual path, and have good standing with the divine and a better future. That's the way to do it. Give of yourself. Indeed. And, you know, the the thing that's so valuable about these channelings, Okar, real fast, is that, you know, we hear the same message from our religions, you know, that we're born into and grow up in usually. But we're never really given the deep rationale for it. And that's what these channelings are so valuable in delivering. I mean, this this was a incredibly rational channeling. Well, it was measured and it was balanced, but that's how the divine does things. That's yeah. the standard. <laughs> you know, are you in balance or are you off balance? Right. You There's know, a be- reason for it. It's you know that's what's so that's what's so wonderful about this is that there is logic here. It is rational. There's a reason for it. It makes sense. It's not just do this because I said so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's what and, we're all about. Yeah, and we'll explore some of these nuances further here because there's a lot of interesting things that happen in, in this sort of an exchange on the street with people. Absolutely. We'll explore those when we come back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. 
At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of Get Wisdom. We are talking about uh, creators' explanations of the unexpected causes and solutions of homelessness. So far, it's been quite the interesting conversation. Yes, indeed. We're we're learning some things here, and this is something we're not really taught anywhere. We have to kind of figure this out for ourselves. And maybe your parents taught you how to deal with encounters with strangers when you were old enough to handle that in, in various ways, either to look the other way, ignore them, just move on, or to be charitable under certain circumstances. So we, we're all on our own here. So it's nice to get some spiritual guidance. Indeed. I, you know, I, I, nobody taught me. <laughs> this is the first instruction on this topic that I've ever had, to be honest with you. It's really interesting. You asked creator, there was a career panhandler in a big Midwestern city who would hold a cup at the same spot every day and say, help the homeless. He'd been doing this for years, even decades, a fixture almost as much as the light post he leaned against. Turned out he wasn't truly homeless at all and shared a rather expensive apartment with another career panhandler. When asked about the apparent hypocrisy, he said simply that he rented rather than owned, so he wasn't really lying. (laughs) The problem is this individual and his partner helped to reinforce the impression that many, if not most, homeless were in fact not in the dire straits they appeared to be in. What is the divine perspective on this type of career? All right, and Creator tells us, This is clearly an example of someone taking advantage of the goodwill of others and their generosity, and in the same action, creating potential harm down the line for others who may not receive an act of charity when in desperate need, because too many people they encounter have been burned by a kind of predatory panhandling situation that left them cynical and unwilling to be generous ever. So there will be multiple layers of negative karma resulting from taking advantage of the good intentions and compassionate feelings of others through a subterfuge of this kind, pretending to be in need when one is not. This will certainly have negative consequences down the line. They will not get away with this act of dishonest representation. They will pay a price. The people they fool into donating money may be harmed in the sense of giving away something of value to a person who is unworthy and simply wanting to exploit them. 
but they will nonetheless gain good karmic consequences because their active generosity will be on record and will come back to them with a reward of some kind in the future. You know, to be a little bit fair, I'm actually familiar with the gentle, the panhandlers in this particular question. And they both appear older and somewhat disabled. And, and, and maybe they really aren't in a capacity to hold a job down. So, you know, we don't want to judge too harshly in this or at all, for that matter, in terms of their situation. Well, but, that's the risk. And that's how these questions are framed. But that's how the average person thinks. Yeah. So this is instructive because yeah. we're getting a softer, gentler, kinder view of the world through creator's eyes here. Right. And I can say personally that I have become, I for years I became cynical and really unwilling to be a generous donor because of this. You know, so I'm guilty. You know, I, I, I'm going to fix that behavior going forward. But uh, it, it's kind of thing that bugged me for for decades. You know, I... How do I deal with this? I really didn't know. So this is extremely refreshing and informative uh, material for sure. U.S. creator, a man was portrayed on a 60 Minutes television episode back in the 1980s who would dress like a bum and drive to his favorite spot in his own newer car, park the car out of sight, and work a freeway entrance ramp. He was observed by a reporter to leave the spot every couple of hours to make a call to a payphone. He was approached and asked who he was calling. Turned out it was his stockbroker. He confessed he made approximately 60000 a year panhandling in the 1980s when 60000 was an above-average income and had a very successful investment portfolio. But in managing a successful stock portfolio, he was clearly capable of performing successfully in a more traditional occupation. What are the karmic implications of that man's occupational choice? All right, and Creator tells us this individual is clearly living the life of a criminal. Anything you do to gain through using deception to take something away from others is immoral and will have a karmic penalty assigned through the law of karma. It might come swiftly, it might be delayed, but pay you will for taking advantage of others. After all, what has been exchanged here is tangible. It is not simply a smile in return for one that might be phony. It is money of some kind, which has many potential uses and value, and you are literally depleting someone by enticing a donation from them. There are many kind souls who will give when it hurts, simply because they are touched and seeing a person seemingly struggling who is less well-off than themselves and willing to help. In such a circumstance, the penalty is correspondingly greater. What the panhandler does not realize is that everything he or she does is being recorded for all of time. And there will be no escaping a day of reckoning when the mistakes and exploitation are translated into a consequence returning to that individual wherever they might be. And it might be just at the point where they have worked their way out of being in a lowly position. Even though they're getting by just fine but wanting to do something more meaningful, And that ends up getting taken away because of the karmic debt that has been building. Every day you are alive, you are investing energy in yourself for better or worse. And the consequences of that investment will be balanced quite precisely and will determine whether things go positively or negatively in your future. You know, what's interesting, Carl, is that... You were just describing how Creator was taking kind of a softer, gentler approach to the topic, and then boom, comes out and calls this guy a criminal. But this was one individual 
And, you know, creators looking back when we asked this question at this exact individual in time and seeing what was there. And apparently this was indeed a guy in good health, clearly in his like 40s at the time. So he wasn't retired or capable or shouldn't be retired at least um, and perfectly capable of holding down a good job. So that's a different scenario. And so, I mean, that's with that kind of capability and that who's, you know, exploiting people this way, that is criminal. Yes, yes. Well, the the big take-home message here is they're not going to get away with it. So you don't have to worry about them meeting up with justice in some way. It will happen, courtesy of the universe. So that's automatic. But the other thing is that an act of generosity extended to someone, even if they're scamming you, gives you good karma. Yes, that's so the other you big can't go wrong here by being right. generous and loving. And that's a huge message here, yeah, that you're going to get good karma and don't worry about the motives of the person that's that's you're right. helping out. That's, right. that's that, That'll take care of itself. All right. Let's go back and do that previous question sure. that, that, uh, instead of the next one. Okay. You ask creator, should those homeless who still reject a rehabilitated, inst- a rehabilitated institution or group home or shelter be allowed to simply live on the street and panhandle? Okay, so it just puts this right four square in the target zone, right in the crosshairs. Yep. And this is what creator said. We would ask, why not? Are they not free? Are they not still citizens of the nation? Do they not have free will rights granted them by their creator? A charitable organization of one to serve oneself is not in principle different than a charitable organization to serve a group with one or a few individuals acting as their spokesperson. They may be offensive to the side of those who are well off and who are made to feel guilty perhaps, but they are children of God nonetheless and do not deserve scorn or pity for their plight. They may simply be doing the best they can under difficult circumstances and need to find their own way. Few people are equipped to take someone in hand who is homeless and take charge of them and help them with their life in a material fashion to become better established, find work, find a residence they can afford, and so on. Few wish to take on that burden and risk, given that homeless people are often mentally unstable. But most people can share something in the way of making a small gift of money to help a homeless person keep going. That is an act of loving kindness, given that all are members of the human family. So everyone you meet, including a homeless person, is a member of your family and deserving of respect and consideration. Yes, that's a very powerful contrast to the previous one we were talking about where Crater said he was a criminal. The point is, is that we don't know. And when we're confronted with somebody in need, it behooves us to really uh, treat them as a human being and to help them as much as we can. And, and let, let God sort it out in the back end. You know, yes. it's, it's, that's really the message here. You asked Creator, those wanting to be good Samaritans would decline if they knew they were simply fattening someone's portfolio, and of course, most panhandlers are truly homeless and in need of assistance. Yet the desire not to take advantage of, not, not to not be taken advantage of, is strong in most people and presents a genuine moral conflict for many. 
What advice can creator give to those wanting to help the truly needy? When one gives to a beggar, does the real condition of the recipient have any bearing on the good karma earned by the donor? So this is a quick question. All right. The creator tells us, we see the act of loving kindness as a separate issue from the plight of the panhandler. If the interchange is entirely based on a false premise, for example, the panhandler misrepresenting themselves as needy and essentially perpetrating a con game to get free money, that does not take away from the act of generosity freely done by a person of good character who harbors a loving compassion for those less fortunate. So there will be a karmic blessing for the intention to commit the act of loving kindness. The consequences for the dishonest panhandler who is truly a manipulator and takes the easy way out to avoid making an honest living, that person will only incur a karmic penalty from their exploitation of those innocent souls willing to give money spontaneously out of the goodness of their heart. This interchange will have different consequences for the participants based on the karmic merit of their actions. So the perpetrator here, the dishonest panhandler who misrepresents their true state of being, does not benefit because they have, through their begging, created a karmic benefit for their donors and inspired them to acts of loving kindness. They will not receive any positive karma because what will be looked at is solely their own energy and the intentions behind it. Any possible good that comes stems from the actions of the other people whose lives they touch and is not in the intention of the panhandler to begin with, who is ignorant of the workings of karma. You know, this really puts a spotlight on an interesting way that karma works, you know. I mean, a lot of my understanding of karma is that it's the energy of the trauma that the person experiences. But in this particular case... You know, a good a good-hearted person who gives generously to a to a con man is getting good karma. So there's not trauma there per se, but I suppose maybe you could extrapolate that out to the trauma of someone who will not receive the generosity because of this. You know, so there's there's usually a downside somewhere that has to be corrected in the balance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You ask creator. A worker in a large city can run an obstacle course of multiple panhandlers twice a day going to and from the office. Many times, both people would pretend not to recognize the other, which can reach heights of absurdity as this can go on for years. The career panhandlers are daily intruding on the privacy of the commuters who simply don't want to be left alone in peace and quiet, but are constantly exposed to this twice a day for years. As no one with an average salary can possibly give to everyone asking them daily for handouts, what are the karmic implications of ignoring such recurring pleas? How can Creator help the simple commuter make a moral choice? And Creator tells us, we think in the example you make here, the choices karmically are actually somewhat simpler. Most people down on their luck turn to begging as a last resort to sustain their existence and help them in a time of crisis when they might otherwise starve. When people find they can make a living doing this and then choose to simply continue doing it as an occupation because it is simpler and more reliable than finding secure employment somewhere, then they are exploiting the good impulses of a good Samaritan under false pretenses by, in fact, becoming a de facto dependent 
of the commuters. That goes one step beyond being a needy person in a crisis, simply needing compassion for a time so they can get back on their feet. If they were to approach those commuters and ask to live in their home and be fed and clothed and housed for free, they would almost certainly be resoundly rejected, except for unusual circumstances. Such things do happen, but that's not the case here. The example proposed is someone who simply finds it's easy to beg for money without doing productive work that helps someone else. And that is the typical exchange for employment. It is not simply showing up to get a paycheck. It is doing an active process requiring time and energy and receiving compensation. So the chronic professional panhandler is essentially creating a lifestyle as a freeloader, taking advantage of others. A panhandler who has other options may simply be lazy or more likely does have emotional difficulties making them incompatible in a workplace. So panhandling is the only thing they might be able to manage to keep their independence. You cannot tell by looking at someone if they are truly unemployable with any degree of certainty. One solution to a potential moral uncertainty here would be to donate once and then let others take their turns. You know, that last sentence really spoke to me. I mean, that was that was a huge piece of advice that I'm going to take liberal advantage of going forward. Um, because this is a moral dilemma for people. And it's, it's a bit annoying to be, you know, to have your peace and quiet accosted every morning on your way to and from work. Uh, it gets old, you know, and it's, it's an ongoing problem that never seems to have a good solution to it. So that last sentence there is uh, something that will, I know, help me feel better. And I'm sure it will help a lot of other people feel better, too. And do the right thing. Yeah. And I think that point, you can't really know a person's story is an important one. Some people take a good long while living on the edge and maybe flirting with taking advantage of people because they have no better choice. And until they get to a point where they can raise themselves up, they need the assistance of others or they're going to go down. So in the meantime, it, it may offend your sense of propriety, but the act of giving is always divine. It's an act of loving kindness after all. And you'll actually get brownie points, spiritual brownie points for, for doing so. Indeed. You also get brownie points if you deliver, get with, if you, if you visit getwisdom.com and download our, our ebook for prayer, get that at getwisdom.com slash prayer. Uh, also check out the Lightworker Healing Protocol. You can get that at getwisdom.com slash LHP. And we'll be right back with more discussion on homelessness right after this. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. 
We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of Get Wisdom. We are sharing what Creator says about the unexpected causes and solutions of homelessness. And so far, it has been very, very fascinating. Well, there's much to learn about everything about life. And part of this is we've basically been living from a 2,000-year-old handbook. Not to malign the Bible and the Quran and other sacred writings, but there's been divine wisdom available for the asking all along the way. Yes. But the problem is getting it collated and put on some sort of record people can hear about and will believe that it has a divine origin. So here we come along. Who's (laughs) going to believe us? We don't know. We're doing the best we can here. But it speaks to the issue. Where can you find the truth? So that's our attempt, at least, to bring forward divine truths. And, of course, you get what you ask about. And often the way you ask and the perspectives you hold may constrain the answer to some degree, but we're doing the best we can. We're, we're trying. Yeah. And that, that is truly what is unique about this offering and our project here, Carl, is that literally everything comes in response to a question. You know, yes. it's, it's, not a, it's not a channeling where the individual coming through just, you know, goes off on a, on a, on a tangent or a race and just yeah. throws all kinds of stuff at you. It has to be in response to a particular question. Well, and if you think about the weaknesses, perhaps, if you want to be a kind of a critic for a moment, the things that are missing from the scriptures, the vagueness, the fact it talks in parables and in metaphorical examples and so on, and doesn't just come right out and tell you what to do, is because that's not how the divine works. Right. (laughs) We're supposed to discover for ourselves our divinity and make a free will choice to choose what's right. So there's guidance given. That's not quite the same thing as a set of rules you got to follow and so on. So that's why most of it is open-ended. So it allows us to come to our own conclusions, for better or for worse. Right. That's the essence of free will. You asked Creator, a century ago, it was mostly charities and churches that were looked to to provide help for those in need. Today, many look to governments to provide help for the needy, and many are failing to do an adequate job. Was having governments step in to help a mixed motive undertaking? Was the goal to create further distance between the donors and the recipients? And this is Creator's answer. 
it is very much the case that assuming that government should take over responsibility as caregivers would be a good solution is a flawed notion for all the reasons we have discussed. People struggling to survive are having a spiritual struggle as much as a physical and emotional one. A godless, loving, loveless governmental body that strictly governs dollars and cents according to a set of laws and arcane rules, is ill-equipped to have the flexibility and the heart to see what is truly needed and provide meaningful solutions. This is not to say nothing good comes of government. It is only that it is poorly equipped to do spiritual work. And that is a large part of what is needed to help people with life dilemmas of all kinds. They are struggling because they have a spiritual problem as much as anything else And in many cases, it will be the predominant deficit causing the difficulty. This is why, quote, throwing money at the problem, unquote, as the term has been described, rarely works. There needs to be a higher wisdom brought to bear. You can't purchase humanity, and you cannot cultivate that in people by giving them money. There need to be better teachers better mentors and life coaches, better role models, and better institutions that use people for their talent more than their pedigree and give opportunities for people to do things in divine alignment in service to others as that will serve themselves. People can be saved from dire circumstances and supported and put to work helping others like themselves. There is no better way than helping someone else who suffers to find a way to one's own recovery. This is a principle that has worked time and again, but it does require intelligence and some (laughs) oversight to be sure things are on track by people with the wisdom to manage it effectively. There are many such approaches that can be far more powerful in helping across the board than anything that has been tried heretofore. People are constrained by mind control manipulation to work within systems and organizational constraints that are arbitrary and designed purposely to limit getting positive results and reducing productivity rather than fostering it. Such systems become disheartening and soul deadening after a time. And as people are manipulated to be complacent while participating in their own disempowerment, the system eventually grinds to a halt or becomes so dysfunctional along the way that the overseers rebel or the public in complaining to legislators because they see too many examples of waste and mismanagement seemingly. The problem is much deeper that the very goals and infrastructure of government is corrupt from top to bottom. This has been seen to by the interlopers to devise an apparatus that simply does not work and convince the participants they are doing what is needed and appropriate. And being that there may be no other options, all are left with the consequences even though unsatisfactory. There will need to be a quite serious overhaul from top to bottom of society and institutions across the board to purge themselves of this overlay of manipulation that misdefines, misleads, mischaracterizes, 
and misapplies resources to either do the wrong things or do them in the wrong way, and sometimes to the wrong recipients and not being able to differentiate levels of need and underlying reasons and without the resources for true, deep, and lasting healing, many proposed solutions will be a holding action at best and are doomed to fail because people cannot change what is broken that needs to be replaced within them. That will need divine help, and government is helpless on that front, being non-divine. You know, I just wanted to point out, we've used the term, I think, interlopers like maybe three times in this uh in this show, and you know, if people are listening to the show for the first time, they go, "Who are these interlopers?" So we just want to quickly point out that these are dark spirits and uh, extraterrestrials. So, if you're, if you're curious about that word, that's it, and they're a big problem. But we're, we don't really have the time and space to go into it in detail here. Yes, but the the world is not what you see on the surface. Evil comes from the fallen angelic spirits, and they have corrupted. A group of extraterrestrial civilizations much longer lived than humanity, and now they're in our backyard, and they are running the world from behind the scenes and causing all kinds of trouble. So they're, they're the reason we have to talk about these kinds of problems, unfortunately. Yes. And this is also why there needs to be a spiritual solution here. This is above the pay grade of politics or the military. Yeah. We need divine help, and big time. Yeah. And it's the reason that the military and government and all that is, is part of the problem, actually. We look at it as part of the problem as part of the solution, and that's not necessarily going to work out all that well. We need divine intervention. We need divine assistance. This is a divine level problem. Yes, and that's why prayer is so important, because it's your way of voting for what's needed. So it's up to you to take part in this because there needs to be a quorum to get the level of divine intervention that is truly needed here to turn back the tide of this manipulation that's gone on for thousands and thousands of years now. Yes, and we're going to deal with that with this particular question right now. You asked Creator, how can prayer and the Lightworker Healing Protocol help to someday fully resolve the problem of homelessness? And this is Creator's answer. While each individual and their situation will have some unique aspects, in general, the problem of homelessness is a spiritual problem. In the same way that a person is departed from being on a steady course where their needs are being met because there is a source of abundance, a source of stable infrastructure where they have a place to go, a shelter from the storm, a place to sleep where they're safe, store their goods and supplies, and be able to stockpile things during times of bounty in a secure fashion, and live among a group of like-minded individuals enjoying a feeling of fellowship and community, or an even closer bonding with families consisting of blood relatives. This is how life was designed to be. When those attributes are not available, a person is off track. They are wandering about on their own in a state of isolation and perhaps dishevelment, but a separation from the guiding principles and similar perspectives that would make them compatible as a member of a communal group, whether family or like-minded individuals, seeking to work together to have strength in numbers and a sharing that provides opportunities for friendship and security both. These are essential ingredients for a happy life. 
it is almost always the case that that departure from being in alignment with security, economic prosperity, and loving companions is accompanied by or caused by a breach in having a connection to the divine. When one strays from one's lifeline, there will be increasing isolation spiritually, less inspiration, less energy to work with, less support, less healing, less abundance, and less protection from the hazards of life and the hazards of the many interlopers seeking to exploit humans. When people become corrupted and then impossible to live with, they degrade their companions and may well end up corrupting them as well. As the discords spread, the consequences grow and influence a wider and wider circle, resulting in disarray, chaos, and disruption of harmony in working units, whether families or communities of like-minded individuals. So the two go hand in hand, success and happiness with spiritual alignment. It is only common sense, but a practical reality as well as a science-based truth that the true solution for social isolation through being self-destructive or being rejected unfairly is a divine level problem and best handled in partnership with the divine to remove sources of negativity and corruption and help restore more positive perspectives and a growth in compassion and charitable perspectives so people are more likely to respond to a needy individual with loving kindness than ostracism at all levels. A smoothly running society with happy people can be maintained and benefited further by divine inspiration and an active involvement with the divine realm to help support its members and assist with any kind of problem that arises. As the saying goes, two heads are better than one. And this is especially true when one of them is the creator of all that is. There must be an invitation to be involved in a human life by even God. The secular movement has greatly disempowered humanity by reducing opportunities for the divine to be of help. If people are not asking, not wanting it, the divine is powerless to intervene because our agreement with humanity is for them to be in charge of their world. You have choices before you. You can request help through prayer. You can request help through an elegant healing protocol like the Lightworker Healing Protocol to engage the divine realm actively on your behalf in a powerful and purposeful fashion that can work miracles at times and will always be of some help. Most of all, these tools to reestablish and call forth divine help are the answer for the current dilemmas of the world. It has always been thus. There has always been a need for the divine, and you have been saved from annihilation multiple times in your history. There needs to be enough prayer requests for this to happen. When the forces of darkness are allied and arrayed against you in earnest, wanting your destruction, you cannot stand up to them on your own. This is a sobering thought, but there is a need in these times for a warning about what is truly at stake and the consequences for you if you do not listen. We can be the answer for you, but you must call on us for that to happen. Without your request, you are on your own and in peril. 
you know, I know a lot of people are skeptical of one size fits all anything, but prayer really, it comes as close to that as, as anything, prayer and the light working and protocol. We need to reach out to the divine to solve our problems, and we can solve pretty much all of our problems this way. It's very well, powerful yeah. and very important. Yes, it's, it's one solution in the doing, which is the requesting. Yes. But the divine answer is open-ended Indeed. and is infinite in possibility. So that's the magnificence of this. It's not that we have to figure out exactly what God has to do. We only have to ask God to come and do what is highest and best. And well, then the divine has the wisdom and the perspective and the capability to make anything happen. It's a question of the power of intention in the request that is the key to this. Yes. Well, we're out of time, Carl. We'll have to continue this conversation next week. So come on back. Thank you for joining us. Be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 